You're listening to the Build From Here podcast, a podcast for the hunter and sporting dog enthusiast alike. Join your host, Joshua Parvin, as he interviews retriever owners and discusses the trials and triumphs that lead to a great gun dog. Build From Here is presented by Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy, online resources to help you train your retriever. Now, your host, Joshua Parvin. Welcome to episode number 27 of the Bill From Here podcast. Uh, this episode is going to be great. We've got a great friend and CGA member on, Austin Poole. How's it going, Austin? Going really well. Thanks, Josh, for having me. Super stoked to have you on. I know we've been talking a lot over the past months and just hearing your progress has me pretty excited. Um, you just got through cooking on your pit boss, uh, one of the very first uh, butts you ever did. How, how did that turn out? It turned out really well. Um, I'm going to be fat in the next couple of weeks because <laughs> I've got a lot of pork to eat. For a yeah. family of four, a uh, pork butt is pretty big. So I'm trying to share with friends at church and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Those we, we got a Traeger some time ago, and it's like you almost want to cook everything on it. You just throw it on. You want to smoke as much as you can and then you know try those reverse sears and all that, which uh, one of my biggest things for the pellet grills is one of your best investments. Like you hear, like I get in these Facebook groups and I see people like, what accessories should I do to my, you know, my grill? And I'm like, you know, that's interesting. Everybody gets super fired up, but it's like, you know, there aren't a lot of accessories. Um, but one of the biggest things I think I would recommend for anyone is a cast iron the skillet, those things, like if you're going to do that reverse sear or whatever, throw that cast iron in there and get it super hot, throw the steak on there after you, and it does a good job. I got to get one of those. I, I kind of went all out when I got the grill and I, you know, ordered the, ordered the pizza stone and all that stuff. I haven't used any of it except the grill. Cause it's like, (laughs) I now I got this nice new grill that I can go out and push a button and I haven't had time to use it much. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's very convenient. I completely understand that pizzas are good too. The habit, I don't have a pizza stone for mine. I probably, probably should look at doing that. So, uh, well, that's, that's awesome. That's fun. Um, Austin, before we go any further and we could talk, honestly, I could talk about barbecue all day, but you know, this is Me about too. dogs, you know, cause I, I love Maybe we barbecue. could record two today. Two maybe, episodes. yeah, maybe we need to get us a, <laughs> the, the barbecue podcast going. Um, but before we get going, tell, tell for everyone listening, just give us some background, your story, um, you know, who you are, where you're from, maybe a little bit about how you got into to this dog thing. Sure, man. Um, yeah, well, you know, I'm a long talker, so, you know, rein me in if you need to here. <laughs> um, so I currently live in uh, Delaware. I'm a uh, corporate pilot here. Uh, with the company that we fly out of Philadelphia. So we do a good bit of traveling and stuff. And with that sort of career uh, mindset, you know, um, having a dog has sort of been a delayed thing in my life. Um, So I got into waterfowl hunting when I was about 12. Um, Some uncles down in Arkansas took me out and uh, it wasn't the typical, you know, flooded timber type of hunt. We were hunting an impoundment, I think there. Um, I was wearing a pair of borrowed knee boots and trying to not get the water into my boots, you know, w- walking out through there and like following in my dad's footsteps, you know, which was probably a bad idea because I'm stepping in his holes even deeper, you know, but, um, we get out to this little makeshift a frame blind that they had thrown up out in the middle of this thing and just watching them call at ducks and then shoot mallards and stuff. It just was like, man, I love this. Like, I've always loved hunting, but this is cool. You know, the yeah. whole water aspect of it and the decoys and the calling, uh, was a new experience to me, you know, from dove hunting, squirrel hunting, that kind of thing. So I kind of got hooked on it. My dad's not so much hooked on it. So as a 12 year old, I didn't have a ton of opportunities other than with my uncles to, to go. But when I got in my teens, I started going with some friends and stuff and, and really got hooked. Um, I worked on a farm through high school and college. So I was fortunate to have some, some property that my boss would let me set up blinds and stuff and hunt on and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I got into waterfowl hunting then and, and went through college and got a bunch of other buddies into it and stuff like that. And oh, yeah. always wanted a dog. And, um, I never had any friends. I was usually the guy that got other people into waterfowl hunting. So, uh, I never really had any experienced waterfowl hunters that had a dog. Uh, so I never had, never actually had the opportunity to hunt with a dog, um, until I got my own. And, uh, was, I was looking at dogs while I was 
in college, about to graduate, but uh, was about to move to Florida for my job. And I was like, I really don't want to get my first dog, train it, and then have an alligator snap it in half. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> that would was, be good. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a lot of you guys out there that that hunt down in the south with with alligators and stuff that have dogs. But I mean, I just I don't know. I was like, I I don't know if I can do that. You know, being from from Missouri originally, I I just uh, alligators was not a part of my daily life. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so there's a there's that little bit of fear there. And I did hunt in Florida. And I waited out there several days, you know, with my shotgun at the ready before, before sunlight, uh, in the alligator infested waters, uh, never had a scary encounter with one, but, um, but yeah, that sort of kept me from getting a dog. And then, like I said, uh, life happened, the career happened, you know, traveling a lot and stuff like that. So I didn't get around to, to getting a dog until this, this past year, uh, wow. I think February of 2020 is when I bought her. Um, and that sort of just fell in my lap, uh, another guy that I hunted with, he had a dog, uh, and he, um, he had puppies with that dog and, uh, he called me up just to check in. And I had already told my wife about a week ahead of that, that, you know, Hey, this is the spring. I'm going to start looking for a dog. And he said, Hey, why don't you bring the boys over? You know, we just had puppies. And I'm like, Oh, interesting. You mentioned that, you know, we're about to start (laughs) looking. And so got to looking at the pedigrees and stuff. And I was like, Oh man, I'd be silly not to buy one of these pups, you know, like he's got like three or four females still unclaimed and he was selling them at a great price. So wow, uh, we pulled the trigger and that's how we got Molly. That's awesome. So what was, uh, what was it like bringing that dog home for the family? I'm sure that was a pretty exciting time all the way around. Yeah. Well, you know, I got two boys, um, at the time they were four and eight. So oh, they man. wanted, they wanted a dog, of course. <laughs> oh you know, yeah, absolutely. Pet, but, family dog. And, and we had had, my wife and I'd had a dog previously, a, a little wiener dog, a miniature dachshund. And, uh, so she, you know, they all love dogs and, and wanted to have a dog. And, and I was like, no, we're going to have a dog, but when we do, it's going to be a hunting dog. Our next right. dog is going to be my dog. And so my wife was like, you know, oh, she's not even a real pet. You won't let her get on the couch. You won't let her do this. You won't let her do that. There's all these rules in place. And just recently she's like, I am so glad that you had all these rules in place because she is the coolest dog ever. And I was like, see, (laughs) makes life a whole lot better. They listen, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's worked out really well. They love her. Uh, We just went on our first camping trip with her, took her along with us uh, for a three-day camping trip. And uh, she slept in the tent with us. And that first 10 minutes, she's like, what is going on? Because she always (laughs) sleeps in her crate. She's like, I don't understand. Why am I not locked up? You know? And so she was moving around, coming over, sniffing us and and (laughs) lay down, you know, about three or four times. She she finally caught on. So that's cool. It was cool. That's a first camping trip. That's pretty exciting. Um, Let's talk a little about that too, because there's a lot of families that get dogs. Um, You know, you have these rules in place, right? Because you're trying to develop a great retriever. So obviously there's got to be some boundaries. What, um, how how did your, obviously at first it sounds like the family was a little unsure about that, but how how did all that go? Maybe bringing in some of the the boundaries that y'all put in place to make sure your dog had enough structure. How, how did that go with the family? You know, was it tough from at first or did they kind of finally get the hang of it? What, you know, what was the whole deal there? Yeah. The, the family has pretty much right from the very beginning, you know, the day we brought her home, I was like, all right, boys. <laughs> and, and to the wife to, you know, like there's going to be rules in place, <laughs> you know, this, these are some of the rules and I laid them out and I was like, obviously, you know, as we go, we may have other rules or change those. So right from the get go, uh, my family didn't struggle at all with any of the rules so much. They, they more or less would say, Hey dad, can we do this? Hey dad, can we do that? Uh, my wife still asked me, you know, Hey, can I give her a, a piece of this food? And I'm like, not until we're done eating and she's, you know, not begging, then you can reward her with that, you know? But I was like, <laughs> if she's looking at you right now, no, don't give it to her, you know? Yeah. Uh, so little things like that. We, we haven't really struggled as a family with it. I would okay, say cool. our, our bigger struggles, um, are from people outside of the family. So oh, like, yeah. you know, if we're, uh, at, at the local baseball field training, we've been training there a lot <laughs> lately with the hand signals and oh, stuff. Yeah. And, 
you know, kids will come up for baseball practice and they're like, Oh, that's really cool. You know, they'll see her do something and then they want to throw a bumper. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well you can throw the bumper, you know, and, and she'll sit here until we release her on her name, but they'll like grab the bumper and throw it. And as soon as they let it go, they'll like, Molly, you know, and running <laughs> and stuff. I'm like, that's okay. You know, it's not going to ruin her for a couple of times here and there. Right. But yeah. Getting, <laughs> getting cool. other people they're they're always like, can we pet her? You know? And I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. And then I'm like, sit, you know, and, and I want her to be sitting and calm before she gets pet and not jumping up on people yep. but they'll just like start rewarding Dive her right in. away yeah, as like, soon as she jumps up and it's like you can't control other people's behavior that's right no so. that is one of the toughest things to take your dog on a walk somewhere yeah you go somewhere and then everybody's oh my gosh there's a puppy and then all of a sudden your dog is just wagging their tail fired up because they're right. like oh man someone's interested in me and but you're right but if you put in the work like you've done you're generally it's it's not going to hurt you too much. You just got to work right. through it. <laughs> exactly. That's cool. So Molly, that's the dog's name. So you're, how did you find out? So what was your journey on like deciding? Did you ever consider using a trainer? I know you've done, the, I believe the training yourself, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. What, yes. tell me about your journey there. Kind of what, what was your thoughts and what, how did you end up with Cornerstone? Okay. Well, you know, way before I got the dog, um, I, I always wanted to do the training myself. I always okay. felt like, not that I'm a overconfident person, but I felt like I was confident in myself to be able to, to train my own dog. Right. Uh, now I will say that I didn't have the confidence that I could have a, you know, casting dog with angle backs and things like that. You know, way back I was like, Oh, that that's like professional trainer stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to train my dog to sit steady and retrieve the ducks when I shoot them type yep. of thing. Yeah. Um, but I always wanted to do that. I always felt like, um, I always felt like it would build a better bond with the dog. And I, I, I kind of thought if I sent the dog to a professional trainer and maybe I'm wrong about this, I don't know. This was just my personal thought. If I sent a dog to a professional trainer, one, we don't have our dog around during the formative years of the dog's pup life. And two, when I get them back now, I've got to learn what commands did the trainer teach, you know, what sort of now I know like inflection of the voice and things like that, mm-hmm. like all the little details, there's, there's still going to be that growing pain and I am not going to grow in handling the dog either if I send it to a trainer. So from, from the very beginning, I always wanted to train my own dog. Yeah. I wasn't opposed to sending it to training if I needed to, but I always thought I would do the foundation and then maybe, you know, send it for the more experienced stuff later on down the road. Um, I first heard of Cornerstone, I believe, a few years back, I don't know when you guys started, but it had to have been probably about the time that you rolled out your first stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a, uh, a hunting buddy of mine from Florida, from Vero Beach, Florida, shared a link. And I don't know if he's a member or not, um, but he had shared a link or something uh, about Cornerstone. And I was like, oh, this kind of looks cool. And I kind of looked at your stuff then, but I didn't have a dog. Right. Uh, right. But I sort of knew about your program. And gotcha. uh, so when I started looking to get a dog, I started looking again and the first thing I Googled up was online training programs and Cornerstone was right at the top uh, of the list. And, you know, I started looking, I'm like, yeah, this is one I'm familiar with. And I don't know, maybe this sounds a little silly or ignorant, but like even your marketing stuff and everything, it just looked professional. It looked well done, you know, high definition video quality. You know, it was like, okay, this is way better than some of the DVDs I've watched or, you know, things like that. This is new and fresh, and this is going to be cutting edge, you know, modern style of training. Um, so I, uh, you know, for me, it was, I knew that was the path that I was likely to go down. Yeah. And I think I started with, uh, uh what, what do you call the, the basic or the, the intro or something like that. You got the preview or if you bought a course, preview, you probably the foundation or something like that. Yeah. I did the preview and then I, and then I uh, immediately after watching the preview, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy the foundation, start there. And then I'll just, you know, I'm assuming I'll like it, but that way, if I don't, I'm not too far in, you know, and I can go some a different direction. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, I don't know, halfway through the foundation, I was like, this is definitely the program I'm going to use, you know? Yep, so, yep. uh, I was wanting to do the full, um, the full program. And about that time, I'm, you know, it was one of the balancing act, like, I'm already spending tons of money on this dog. Like how much money can I spend without my wife slapping me type of thing? 
And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, so it was that. like one of those, how can I ask my wife or, or convince her that I need to spend after buying this, that I still need to buy more, you know, like keep the wife happy, it. you know, gotta, you know, gotta present it the right way. I get it. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> so, um, and everybody, I was already a part of the Facebook group and everybody kept saying, you know, oh, you got to get on that 52 plus. And I'm like, what is 52 plus? Cause you didn't even have it on the website. Like I, right. I was searching everywhere. I'm like, I don't understand what they mean by 52 plus. <laughs> And then you came out with, I think it was like a coach's live or something like that, where mm-hmm. you guys announced it was a big announcement. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I remember laying in bed that night, my wife was sleeping next to me and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the, the announcement and I'm lo- looking over, like I'm buying this right now. I'm not even going to ask. And so I just went ahead and bought it. And the next day I was like, I kind of did a thing last night. And she's <laughs> like, I'm not surprised, you know, so. <laughs> But uh, now one of the things I really appreciate about you guys and and your business structure is um, how well you treat your members. Like, you know, you buy 52 plus, it's kind of like your flagship program, right? Or product right now. You're going to get access to all the other products that you guys have, which is not what I'm using in my daily training, but it's nice to have access to all these other videos um, for tightening things up and going back. And I really appreciate that part of it. It's, you know, you don't have to piecemeal and buy every different thing by the flagship program and, and, and you got access to, to all of it. So, uh, that's really cool. Um, yeah. you guys are running a business really well in this day and age, you know, you're, you're treating your members right. And I think it's, it's coming back and blessing you guys in the end. Yeah. Oh, we appreciate that. We love our members. I'll tell you, we're proud. Uh, big reason why we do this podcast here is to get to share your stories. Um, yeah. cause it's just cool. I mean, it's so cool for your first, uh, this is your first, is this your first dog or first retriever? Like that it's not your first dog. You had a wiener dog. Yeah. So right. this is kind of your first, like I'm training this dog to hunt. You know? Right. And actually I, I will kind of tell myself here. I did, I bought a, um, I bought a book at Cabela's years ago with the, with the, uh, with the dachshund and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to practice training, retrieving methods to this dachshund, right? <laughs> totally different style of dog, right? Yep. right? And they, he wanted to hunt, but he didn't want to just retrieve. But anyway, <laughs> we, we did play a lot of retrieving games and stuff. And I actually had him where he would sit steady and wait until I sent him. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And uh, so I took him dove hunting with me one day. I was visiting family <laughs> in Missouri and um, I was hunting by this old uh, shop. I, I don't want to get too long winded here, but suffice to say a dove flies over. I shoot this dove and it falls down in a cotton field right in the middle. And, and I, I walked down the rows and I could see the dove there. Of course, you know, Stewie was his name. We named him Stewie. after the uh, family oh, yeah. guy character. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so I call him over to me, you know, he's, he's running all over the field. He's not at heel or anything, none of that stuff, but he's running all over. So I call him over to me and I sit him down and I line him up and I say, Stewie. And I send him, he takes off running in a dead sprint. Cause he knows there's something out there for him to get. Oh yeah. He tripped over the dove and then turned around and looked at it and grabbed it and started demolishing it and flying <laughs> feathers were flying everywhere. And I was like, okay, maybe he's not going to be a hunting dog after all. So I never trained him again that after that day, I was like, yeah, oh, he's that, just a pet. The end. man. That's, that's awesome. My wife so, wants yeah. a winner. So I had a little bad. experience training retrievers before that, but yeah. now this is my first retriever, first hunting dog. And, and man, I couldn't be more, <clears throat> more proud of her. I think I really lucked out with a very, very smart dog. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, yeah, she makes she makes my job as a trainer fairly easy, I would say. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a good story too. So going from the wiener dog to Molly, and I'm, I'm probably <laughs> going to have to get my wife a wiener dog at some point. You know, we got all these labs and she's like, yeah, I, I kind of want my, my own dog that can just you know, just be my dog. I'm like, okay, we'll we'll probably do that one day. So I got to get to working on that. Speaking of that, but so what was your experience like? So you, it sounds like you, you found, you just settled on, okay, we're doing cornerstone. Then you got into 52 plus, um, you know, what was your experience like, you know, up until this point around week 41, I believe on 52 plus, what has your experience been like, you know, training Molly from, you know, it sounds like coming into this, you weren't really expecting, all the hand signals and all that, maybe some more, more advanced stuff. You know, initially you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe if I can just get my dog to sit steady, go get a bird and bring it back. Was that your thoughts when you saw Cornerstone still at first and you were starting with the foundations and then, or was it more like, you know, after seeing this, like, I think, you know, I think I want to try to take it further or were you more like, okay, I've just got to reach this one goal first. What, what was your mindset now, see, there? Uh, well, I'm, I'm the type of guy that 
I've got this annoying thing inside me that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all out. I'm going (laughs) to do it, you know, the very best that I can. And sometimes that's, that's an annoying feature, I guess, of me. But, um, once I got the program and I started to see, I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to take this dog all the way through. Like I, not my, my expectations I think are not, uh, they're, they're, you know, not too high, but I do plan on having the best dog that I can have, Absolutely, you know, and, and, and seeing how far I can take it. you know, I, I always want to dangle that carrot in front of her just a little bit further and see how far she can actually go. Cause I, I believe she's a very smart dog and, and can get there with some of the best out there. Um, the limitation is me as a handler and, yeah. and I've learned so much already. I, you know, I feel like, uh, if I keep following the program and, and keep your number on speed dial, <laughs> I can probably <laughs> get there at some point. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, um, call it confidence or whatever, but as soon as I started in the program, I'm like, like, okay, this is attainable. I can do this. You know, I, I can have that dog that, that goes all the way and, and does all these hand signals and stuff. So that's awesome. We haven't worked on angle backs yet, but she's doing really well with hands. You're almost there. You're pretty much, you're, you're about to be getting on those angle backs. What was it like, uh, just through the foundations phase of 52 plus laying all that out and then moving through into getting into the gun dog skills? How, what was your experience like? Um, Hold on yards there. And also family life too. Like obviously you got, you're a pilot. So, you know, you're, how have you incorporated that into your life as well? Because I'm sure your schedule is different than you sure. know the, the normal nine to five. Well, first of all, having, having the family that knows the rules around the house, um, is, is nice. And, and that helps reinforce those rules is nice. My youngest one, he, there are no rules with him. He'll lay down on the floor and wrestle <laughs> with her, but I think she knows in the hierarchy of who's who yep, yep. that, you know, he's the little brother. And so she knows she can get away with things with him, but uh, the older, the older son and, and my wife, they, they stick to the rules pretty good with her. So that that's a confidence boost knowing that I can go away on a trip and yep. I'm not going to come back to a ruined dog, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. Um, but, uh, Another thing that I, I say, one of the biggest things I've learned through Cornerstone is that I don't have to be in such a rush and like pound everything in. Like it's, we've got this dog for her life, for the duration of her life. And it's little pieces here and there as we're training, you know, it's, it's, it's little steps. And, uh, so I'm not afraid now to put the training on hold for a couple of weeks yeah. and then get back to it. In fact, um, it's with her. I feel like if we train more than two days in a row, um, she starts to get burned out a little bit. She doesn't, she doesn't that third day, even sometimes on that second day in a row, she does not perform at the level she does when she's had a couple days off. She, when she's had a couple days off, she is ready to go. She's amped. You know, uh, I saw one of the cornerstone, uh, members one time, put a video clip of their dog. He said, heel and the dog jumps up and then he in the heel <laughs> position. And I'm like, Molly does that like every day when I take her out and, and train when she's excited, she is like, boom, right up against me. Like she's let's go, let's do this. You know, it's awesome. And, uh, and so I found that, you know, spreading the training out a little bit and taking more time off has benefited her and her level of excitement to go and to learn yeah. and perform and, and her willingness to please, uh, her, her drive goes up. So, uh, that's been, that's been kind of a, uh, I don't know, a unforeseen blessing in my career, you know, having trips and such where I, where I've been gone and then come back and it's like, you know, oh, I've learned that I don't really have to do this every day for her yeah. to really progress in the training. That's awesome. So, so yeah, it's been good. That's good. Yeah. That'll get you fired up. And yeah, you know, that's what a, a lot of people don't realize. Like, yeah, it's okay to you know, put it on cruise and just. You know, just being, you know, consistency is the big thing. And, you know, you don't have to be consistent, meaning you don't have to train seven days a week, but as long as you're consistent over the period of about a year and a half, two years, sure. you're going to have a really good dog on your hands when it's all said and done. Um, what's been one of the the challenges that you face that you, you know, ha- have you hit any challenges yet where you're like, man, I don't know if we're going to get through it. And then you Old finally condition. made it. Yeah. Yeah. The fetch <laughs> process. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, that's, it's funny. Cause I, I think I was just, uh, I was giving a comment today to somebody on the group that was struggling with some of those same things. Yep. And I, I don't know, my, my perception as a member and seeing the comments is that's probably the biggest hiccup that most of us face. Yep. I mean, um, 
and I was actually uh, at a hunt test recently, and I think we're going to talk about that maybe in a little bit. But yeah, uh, definitely, I was talking with. Um, actually, it was it's it's her sister, Molly's sister, yeah. was at this hunt test as well. And so I was talking to the guy, and and we were kind of bouncing back, you know, things that we've hit and stuff. And uh, he, uh, that dog had been sent to a professional trainer for about four or five months, mm-hmm. and um, we were talking about like differences and and stuff. And I was kind of sharing some of the things in cornerstone program and stuff. And by the end of the conversation, it was funny because he started asking me advice on things. And I'm like, dude, I'm not a professional trainer. Like (laughs) I'm just following this program, you know, but I'm trying to learn it. Yeah. That's great. Right. And, uh, so, but anyway, we, we did talk about the whole conditioning and I, I kind of described it to him. I said, look, um, this method of teaching hold conditioning from my perspective, it takes a lot longer than yeah. a force fetch type of situation does you know, the, the typical force fetch out there. Uh, it, it does take a lot longer to get through it, but the dog is happy. And in my opinion, and this is just my, you know, Joe blow opinion. Um, she holds better than many dogs I've seen that are force fetched. Yeah. Um, I I've been out there online on other forums and other groups and stuff. And, you know, people will comment, well, you got to force fetch, you got to force fetch. And then they'll post a picture of their dog holding it by the head. And I'm like, so how'd that work out for you? You know, like <laughs> it, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't compute to me. I mean, I, and my dog is not perfect. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, I still have to, especially in the hot weather, it seems like those bumpers, yeah, man, she weather, does ooh. not want to hold those bumpers in the middle in the hot weather, but, um, man, like, you know, when she's got a real bird in her mouth, she knows how to hold that thing. She knows how to get it back to me without it getting away. And, uh, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with, with that. Uh, Yeah. The process was painful getting through it. It took a lot longer than, I mean, that, that week 20, I think it was 2021, man, I thought, is this ever going to end? You know, I'm going to be stuck here forever, but, uh, um, you know, I've probably made a lot of mistakes as a handler through that. I got, angry a couple of times. Cause it's just yep. like, Oh, get through this. You know, you were doing so good yesterday. Why aren't, why not now? And yep. uh, she, she had so many hot dogs during that point. She was puking hot dogs, <laughs> you know, trying, trying to get through that. But, uh, but yeah, she's come out the other side now and it's well, pretty good now. That's good. Yeah. I feel like one of the hardest things when you hit that is the tendency to try to get your dog to do it versus you know, the way we teach, it, it's different, obviously. It's actually similar to force fetch, but different. You know, we use a different, right. uh, we're not going to reinforce with, uh, we use positive reinforcement in this case. And it's, and we use a, the shaping process. So most people I see, and this is most, when they first go to attempt this, they will, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to try to, you're going to take that bumper and try to put it in the dog's mouth or try to tease them with it to try to get them to hold on to it. But yeah. in the way that we teach it, you, that actually will, that will make it take longer. Now I'm not, I don't right. know if you do, I don't remember. Um, no, I'm guilty. You, <laughs> I, I did that in the beginning too, because I think everybody does, especially yeah. if it's, it's their first time doing yeah. anything like this. It, you know, the way 52 plus is even set up. You've got the lane, you do a couple of works, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks worth of work in the lane. So the dog's already picking the bumper up. Absolutely. And yep. with her, you know, like I said, she's smart. She already knows she's supposed to pick it up. So like I get the thing out. I didn't even have to say it. She's just grabbing it. Yeah. But here I am like, Oh, this is going to be easy. And I'm clicking and treating. Well, what I don't realize in the beginning is, you know, one, I'm kind of guiding it to her, you yeah, know, trying not to letting encourage her, do her to it, do it, but you're right. trying to encourage her. Yeah. <clears throat> And then I'm, I'm clicking and treating where she's grabbing the wrong spot. And it's like, yep. okay, she already, if she's grabbing it now, I need to start shaping that behavior mm-hmm. to only clicking when she's grabbing it perfectly, you know? Yeah. And I was guilty of probably rushing through the first portion of that yep. and not really uh, shaping the behavior to the point where I should have. So then when we got to the part where we're doing, you know, laying it on the ground and having her fetch and stuff, starts now she's, she's just grabbing it, you know, yep. and, and she thinks she's doing it right. And yep. I'm like, but not, no. Not and and right that's way. where you're trying not to correct, but you also don't want to just let her do it 10 <laughs> times wrong in the, in the same way either, you know? So it's, that was, I think that was the biggest learning curve for me as yeah. a trainer and as a handler going through that process the first time. And, um, how do you I'm feel coming out expert. on the end of it? Do you feel like you learned a lot about your dog and yes. how to correct and how to, when to reinforce? And you learn a lot about that in the foundation, like when you're doing the obedience, but that right there, those series of weeks, you're definitely gonna, you, 
there's really no choice. You're going to have to reward yeah. at the right time. And then if you're going to correct, it's got to be at the right time. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to, you know, maybe take longer or, you know, it could result in things not going well. So, um, from what I've seen, and I'm curious in your perspective, in fact, I'm not even going to say that. I'm just going to ask, what was it like after you completed that? And then I'll kind of go that route where I was going to go with that. But what, how did you feel as a trainer? How did you feel moving forward in the rest of the weeks after completing that series, the, the fetch phases of training? Sure. Well, I'll start, I'll start by throwing this caveat out there that I know I'm not a professional and I know I still got to like learn, but I wish I could go back to week 20 right now and do yeah. it again. Cause I think it would do it. I think I could do it in half the time. I, I'm not, you know, boasting. I'm, I just think I could do it in half the time knowing what I know now. Yeah. If I had known then, cause I yeah. learned it the hard way through the process. Yeah. And I think my learning curve was part of what took it so long yeah. to happen. Um, you know, and I just hope by the time I get my next dog that I don't forget everything <laughs> that I learned during that process. <laughs> you definitely won't. It'll be burned yeah. in there. You won't yeah. forget. Cause <laughs> I'm, I'm like doing the math in my head. I'm like, I don't really think that I can justify having two dogs. Cause I don't, you know, get to, she doesn't get enough retrieves as it is. I'm already having to plan like all these trips now to go hunting and stuff so, to get her some retrieving. And, um, I'm like, I can't justify having two, you know, but when she's getting close to the end of her career, I hopefully to follow it up with a, with the next dog. And it's like, Oh man, I hope I don't lose that. You know, those little details of nuggets of knowledge of hold conditioning. Cause I, I need to write them down or something like that. Yeah. So. Well, we're going to, I think we're going to add some extra updates in there for extra support in those specific spots, mainly because we want you to get it right even faster on the first phase through, but it is so hard like that. I've just noticed. And like when I first started doing this, doing it this way, that was one of the hardest things I had to learn too, is it's okay. We're not getting it. It's, it's your perspective on how you go about it. It's not, we're getting our dog to hold the bumper. We're letting them choose to hold the bumper. And I know that sounds crazy. Some people think, well, what if my dog doesn't want to uh, touch the bumper or hold the bumper? Well, the fact is they're going to, it's just, it's like, it's like a, it's like gravity. You just can't get around it. It will eventually <laughs> happen. You just got to put the right things in the right order for that to happen. But where I was going to go, and that's why I asked you. So it sounds like that was the case, but I didn't want to like, I didn't want to say that. And for you to just, be, oh yeah, that's exactly what happened. I wanted you to come from your perspective first, but where I was going to go with that now that I know that is coming out on the end of that, you kind of learned a lot and you probably are better off for it through the rest of the training, probably oh, sure. more efficient on your correction, more efficient on your, you know, rewarding when your dog does, you know, does right. Yeah. You and Barton were just talking on the last episode about, you know, timing of correction and stuff like that. I mean, there's, you've got to be Johnny on the spot with reward and correction during that process. If anything, you know, go through, go through whole condition, go through week 20 and 21 and you'll become a better trainer for your dog (laughs) in general. (laughs) And it's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, and that's one of the f- hardest things, but once you get it though, it's, it's actually not that hard. And then it almost becomes like, um, just you know, easy secondhand. I mean, it just becomes super easy sure. once you, once you get it, but it's a process. So that's, that gets me excited just hearing you talk about that because that, that shows me that you're learning. And that's what we wanted to do when we created this too, was not just create something that it, this isn't cookie cutter. You go through it, but you learn and right. you grow kind of like what you were saying. And really you're getting what you wanted to begin with anyways, which is, Hey, I want to have this experience so that I know what to do as you go through right. it. So from there, that was one of your big challenges. So now you've, you've done pretty well as far as you're in 41, you're getting into what I call some of the most fun parts of training, sure. you're handling hand signals and all of that. Um, I believe we've talked about, I know you and I had talked to the other day about hunt tests, talk about your journey there. So when did you enter your first hunt test? You know, what, about what week were you through kind of, sure. how has all that gone? All right. So, um, so we're, we're doing, uh, right now we're, we're doing the AKC, uh, junior hunt tests. Yep. Um, and realistically she's, she's beyond that a little in the training. Yeah. So, um, not, not that you can ever expect a dog to, to get a pass, but I'm pretty confident she's going to get a pass whenever I enter in, in, in the junior test right now. Um, I would be trying to run her in seniors, but we haven't gotten to the blind, the official blind training yet in 52 plus. Um, she's done blinds in, in during real duck season, uh, coincidentally, because I can't shoot very well and I'm always (laughs) dropping them a hundred yards away. And so I'm having a healer out there and we're walking through frag and grass and I'm just like, put it up. (laughs) And she does, she finds it every time, but 
she's, we haven't, we haven't done official blind training yet. Right. And so, um, that's the only thing that's keeping me from entering in the senior level yet. But, uh, no, she's doing great with, uh, with the junior stuff. Um, that's what I think, you know, it's kind of sparked some of our recent conversations was I was just, uh, sort of trying to give the praise back to cornerstone. Like it's, it's not me and the dog It's cornerstone. You guys have set the program up to make it so easy for a novice like me to take a dog through that. Um, she's, she's getting compliments from judges and stuff at these tests. And, and I'm starting to see why I'm out there and I'm watching and I'm not saying any professional is not great. Um, I, I realize sometimes owners have dogs with professional trainers and they're like, well, enter my dog in this, you know, and, and the professional might be like, no, I don't think they're ready, but I see a lot of professionals <laughs> at these tests and Absolutely. you know, they're out there screaming at the dog or blowing a whistle or whatever. And, and the dog is just running around the field like, Oh, look at me. I'm having fun. What am I doing? <laughs> and then I get up there and, and again, I'm not patting. I don't want to make this sound like I'm patting myself on the back or, or my dog, but you know, we get up there and I'm just trying to stay consistent um, with her because in my mind, when I'm out there, I I'm out a few bucks if she fails a test, but I really couldn't care less if she fails a test because she didn't do something to what their standard is. In my mind, we're out here doing this so that we can have a ribbon on the wall to show our, you know, progress from your training, but we're also reinforcing the field techniques that we use, which is yep. I try to stay off the whistle. If I don't have to use it, I try to give those one word commands, try to stay silent and low with my voice. And it's funny. The first judge in my first test actually said, Oh, she did really great. But if you'd stay in this game, you're probably going to need a louder whistle. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't think I will. And, you know, like <laughs> my dog can hear this whistle just fine. <laughs> I don't need to blow my lungs out. Um, so, you know, I try to stay consistent with what the program teaches, which in my opinion is setting yourself up to have a great hunting dog. Cause that's our primary focus is I want her to be my hunting companion. You know, I do a lot of hunting on my own and now I've got a buddy out there with me. She can't talk back to me, but <laughs> she can sure listen to my stories while we're out there in the duck blind and, and go get my ducks. So, that's awesome. um, that's, that's our primary focus. So that we're doing the AKC junior phase right now. Um, we've done two tests. She's got two passes. We still got a couple to go, uh, to get her, our junior title and, and move on. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's different. It's a little different from hunting. Um, they try, they call them hunt tests. They try to set them up. Any, any of the guys out there that have done them know that it's a hunt test, but it's not really a hunt scenario. It's, uh, not even, close enough to a scenario that I would call it like getting your dog ready for hunting. You know, when I go out and set up a scenario before season, it's a lot more involved than what we're doing at these hunt tests. Um, so I would say the biggest things that I've learned that I had to sort of kind of, uh, focus a little on outside of our normal cornerstone training is, uh, you know, introducing holding blinds yep. and, yep. uh, a bunch of other dogs around. I think those, those of you that can go out to those member weekends and things like that, that's, or train with others. That's a great thing. If you're looking to get into hunt tests is being around other dogs and, and things like that. Cause you know, she's got that on off switch thing, but she turns it on when she gets around other dogs, her excitement level gets through the roof. And you know, then I'm like, Oh, heel, you know, <laughs> beside me, not 10 feet in front of me, you know, yeah. she wants to go. So, um, those are the sort of the hiccups I think that we've had that we've overcome through the hunt test scenario stuff. So yeah, so you feel like it's also helpful good. to go watch one before yeah. you enter your dog in one, just to kind of see what the process is. Cause I, I actually went to watch one. Um, I had entered her in this junior hunt test and then she went into her first heat cycle, like two weeks oh, before we couldn't, we couldn't go. So I had to scratch her, but I went anyway and watched it. And I'm glad I did because I'm watching the judges. Um, in this particular one, they weren't calling the dog's number. The guy was saying dog when he's ready with the judge was telling the handler when they can release their dog by saying dog. And I thought, man, that sounds a lot like Molly, you know, like, and I don't <laughs> want her breaking when he says dog. So right, right. I got out there before our first hunt test with my nine-year-old son and had him out there, you know, shooting off the cap gun over behind a holding blind, trying to raise the level of excitement, simulating there's other dogs going ahead of me. And I said, every time you shoot it, wait till about, you know, five seconds and then say dog really loud. <laughs> and so he did, she did you know, the first time? no, she okay, didn't, good. uh, she did really well. Um, you know, her, her steadiness is through the roof because of our, you know, 
the way that the program is set up to, to sort of ingrain that. But, yeah. uh, you know, even when I, when I got her out and I'm like, okay, this is her turn to go. I had him throw the mark. And then I sat there and said, dog, Johnny, Bill, you know, started just talking and saying <laughs> a whole bunch of other things and, you know, praising her for not moving. And then when I finally said her name that first time, she still just sat there and then she looked at me like, Oh, you just said it. And boom, she, <laughs> she went, you know? So I was That's like, okay, awesome. this is, this is going to work out. So little things like that, that, you know, are not normal to the training or normal to the hunting scenarios mm-hmm. are little things you got to watch, watch out for. So I highly recommend if you're looking to get into that, go watch one, see, see how they flow, uh, you know, do that whole thing. And then write down, take down notes of, Hey, I haven't really trained my dog for this or that. So I'm going to hit that on my next training session, just a little bit before we go out and get tested on it. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that that's gone pretty well. Have you, have you failed a test or you gone through them all for flying colors? Haven't yet. That's great. Haven't yet. And I'll say yet because you know, a dog can always, no matter how good they are, fail in a test. So you never know, but you never know. And it gets harder as you go. So you, absolutely. and that a lot of times people fail just out of handler errors and mistakes, wrong, wrong thing, wrong time. So exactly. That's good. That's good. So, um, so you've enjoyed that hunting. Let's talk a little about that. What, um, where have you done any hunting yet or you're kind of, okay. Um, so the Delaware season is split into three sessions or three splits. Um, she, we were, uh, where were we? We were probably at about week 26, 28 during the first split of the season this last fall. So I wasn't, you know, she wasn't ready, uh, as badly as I wanted her to go. I think you and I had talked about that time and I was like, yeah, just, I don't think this season's in the cards for, her. I don't think she's going to be ready. And you're like, Oh, well, you never know. You still, you, you're getting pretty close. You know, you were trying to be encouraging, but I'm thinking, no, there's no way we're not going to get there. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but we, we did actually. So, uh, coincidentally, I think most, most of you guys out there probably know the waterfowl season was really great in the very beginning, early season. And then it just tanked and got really bad late season. At least it did for us. Um, and, uh, so she was ready to go finally by the third split. And that's when the, the hunting got really awful. So her first eight hunts, we didn't shoot a bird. And I'm just oh, like, man. Oh my God. Like <laughs> I was trying to decide, should I leave her at home or not take her hunting? Like, is this negative learning, you know? And, and, um, after the, after the first couple of hunts of sitting out there, um, and not seeing and, and shooting anything, I'm like, well, I got to start doing something, you know, to tie this together with our training. So, I started taking a, a docking out with me and, uh, you know, an hour or so would go by. And if she's sitting steady and, and being quiet and everything in her, in her hunting blind, I would blow the call, simulate ducks coming in, you know, shoot a really cheap load, not one of my expensive <laughs> ones, but a really cheap load up into the air and throw the docking out sender. And she'd get some retrieves in that way. She loved it. You know, it was a, a good bandaid, I guess, for the hunting scenario or whatever. But, uh, so the day came when, uh, I'm out there by myself with her, um, uh, hunting and, uh, a bull Drake pintail flies across the decoys. And I'm like, Oh, this is a perfect first retrieve, you know, <laughs> cause I'd held off a lot of hood and Another thing I'm like, I want my dog's first retrieve to be, you know, a mountable retreat. And, uh, so I shot it. And of course, you know, with my awful shooting, it sailed like 80 to hundred yards and oh, went man. down, but it looked like it hit hard. So I was like, yeah, it's down for the count, you know? And, uh, so I, I look over and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hunting public land in a public blind. So I don't have her in the blind or right next to the blind. I have her about 15 yards in her uh, mow marsh away from me off to the left side. And she is standing at attention with her head outside, marked it perfectly. She's locked in. She's waiting for the command. And I'm like, yes, this is going to be an awesome first retrieve. So I whip out the old iPhone and hit record and send her on her name. And she goes on a line. I couldn't have drawn a more perfect line angled across the water. She's just perfect straight line out to the area of the fall. And, uh, she gets about 10 yards from the duck and, uh, the duck sees her coming and starts trying to get away and starts running and flopping, going off to her left. And I'm thinking, all right, her prey drive's about to kick in. She's going to attack this thing. This is going to be an awesome video. I'm going to get to post it on CGA and all this stuff, you know? And, uh, she just keeps on going in that straight, perfect line to the right, area dude. of the fall looking for a docking and oh, just walking man. in circles and looking back at me like, where is it? I know it was here. And I'm like, Oh no, like chase, chase the bird, you know, like 
come on, pray yeah. drive, kick in, you know? And, uh, I, I, I just think that she did not draw the two points together in her mind that that's yep. what she's going for. We had used frozen whole birds in her training and everything. She, it wasn't a feather problem. It wasn't a bird problem. She, you know, I'd even simulated, I'd, I'd get home from training and take the frozen bird that we had been using. And before I'd let her out of the truck, I'd go like throw it up in the bushes somewhere and then just let her out, not give her command or anything, but see if she smelled. And every time she'd smell it and then she'd start going through hunting through the yard and find it and come running back with it. And I'm like, great. You know, this is, she, she's got the nose and all that, but she, it didn't click with her that, that day. And yeah. it's funny. I, I can, I can send you the video and let you watch it. You'll laugh have a good laugh. Probably hear the disappointment in my voice. Like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. You think it's going to go so well. And then boom, no, not what <laughs> so you So in that moment I realized, okay, I got to do something maybe to get, you know, and, and maybe I didn't have to do this, but I, you know, this being my first dog and I'm doing a lot of hunting by myself doing the tram. Like I, I got to figure something out to get, you know, some warm birds in her mouth and, and maybe yeah. some cripples. And, yeah. you know, I start telling my wife, I want to go buy live birds. And she's like, no, you're not, you're not going to like cripple a bird and have your dog chase it down. And I'm <laughs> like, Oh, I promise I won't. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm fortunate. There's a, um, a shooting preserve not far from here. And they raise like several hundred mal- uh, thousand mallards a, a year and sell them, uh, to different shooting clubs and stuff. So I was able to go purchase a half a dozen live mallards from them. And, uh, they're not cheap if you're looking to do that, <laughs> but it was worth every penny in my opinion. Um, uh, so, uh, this is something I did not tell you, but when we get the, the ducks home, I'm, I'm pulling them out of the bigger, uh, or the smaller, like carrying cage to yep. put them in a bigger cage in the garage. And I got the fourth duck out and, uh, my wife is sitting there and, and we've got the video on the ring camera. She's like, Oh, you can escape if you want to. And this mallard flies out of the cage and flies through our neighborhood, you know, going (laughs) all the way through the neighborhood. And she's like chasing it down. And you see me running after it with a net and stuff. We never did get that one back. So we ended up training with only five of the six mallards I bought. (laughs) It got uh, away. (laughs) Yeah. One got away. It's living in our neighborhood somewhere. I haven't seen it since, but I like to think that, you know, he got married and flew south. I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Um, so I worked into our normal training sessions from, from that day on during the season, I didn't use any Dawkins or bumpers. I yeah. only used frozen birds or the live birds that I'd purchased because I wanted nothing but birds, um, during the season. I was like, I can get back to bumpers after season. So, um, I would go out and I would start the session with doing what we were going to be doing anyway, like following 52 plus, but sort of modifying it using, you know, birds, uh, yeah. a bird launcher that I had purchased from, from line country supply and basically setting it up for live flyer, you know, and I, I didn't want to waste them all in one day. So I'd take one or two every day that I trained and stuff. And, um, she grasped it really quick. The first one, you know, 25 yards out, dropped it dead, dead bird. I'm like, Oh yeah, I can, I can hit things, I guess with my (laughs) shotgun. And, uh, she ran out to it, you know, and went to pick it up and it's leg twitched and kicked her in the nose. And she backed up and looked at it like, huh, they've never moved before. You know, I don't know what this is about. So she took her nose and flipped it over with its feet down and picked it up and brought it back. And, uh, the second bird was much the same. And we got, uh, I think I've shared with you before, but we got some pretty interesting training scenarios with a couple of other ones where I got a little cocky and set the, the cage out a little <laughs> further to try to let the duck fly a little more, you know, see, get some more airtime and thought I missed it or missed it good, you know, bad enough to not kill it, but we were able to recover those birds. She used her nose and we found them and, wow. uh, even came back with one of them, you know, fully alive and kicking in her mouth. And I was, I was happy with that. So she had picked up a, you know, fully live bird. That's great. Um, so I wasn't worried with her not picking up cripples after that. And, yeah. and then I was, I managed to find a few places where we could actually shoot some wild ducks and, uh, and we got her in on some retrieves. I, I don't remember. I think she got about 13 retrieves oh, that's good. toward the end of the season. So Fantastic. that's not too bad considering she only, you know, had a handful of hunts where we shot birds. So, um, <laughs> other a, than that first duck, she recovered every bird that I shot after oh, that. that's great. And there were a lot of them that I would have never found. Wow. So yeah, dog's a huge asset, you know, as exciting as that pintail was for a first retrieve, you know, a hundred, 120 yards out, however far oh, yeah. it was probably a little far for him. It's I like for oh, my yeah. first retrieves for my dogs. I prefer, I prefer a good 25 to 40 yard dead mallard. That's just, Straight in, they see it. It's like a no-brainer. 
But, I mean, heck, the dog went straight to it. It's just once they get out of that range there, you know, sure. if that bird, I mean, at that distance, it probably got away. So it's unfortunate, but uh, you did a good job. I, I am excited to hear how you handled through that. So there's another, you know, good thing that, that you did is you just you took what you learned and you're like, okay, well, now I'll teach my dog. We go and we fix this problem, then then you're good to go. So it's um, that's good how you work through it. And it sounds like the rest of the season went pretty pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't shoot a ton of ducks, but, uh, when we did, she got them. So, um, you know, she, she marked fortunate enough to drop a few that were close (laughs) where she could mark them and and just get them. And there were probably just as many that we shot that sailed on us and then, you know, fell way far away. And I I learned my lesson after sending her a couple of times, like, okay, she's, she's not marking out to these distances yet. I've just, got, got a healer out there and, you know, practice hunting it up. So, and that's what we did. We would just heal out to the area of the fall and let her hunt it up, get, try to get downwind of where we thought it fell and, and let her hunt it up. And, you know, like I said, great nose, she's found every single one of them. That's Um, excellent. I got a picture with the last bird of the season in her mouth, uh, on on her last retrieve that she found after hunting for it for 10 minutes, probably in in some tall grass, a a big, uh, beautiful, um, gadwall. Oh man, so, that's awesome. I mean, most people don't describe Gadwall as beautiful, but this one, oh, its them. colors were all in, you know, late season. It was, it was a beautiful duck. So I got a picture of that one. And I did manage to get another, uh, pintail that I have at the taxidermist now to sort of commemorate the one that we, the one that got away. <laughs> so the one that got away. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. The single one that got away. Well, I think you'll find that this season will go a lot, a lot different because by the end of this next season or by the beginning of this next season, you should probably be done with the rest of 52 plus have all the hand signals down. You'll have the blind retrieves completely down. You should be those hundred yard flyers, 200 yard flyers. You shouldn't be have. I don't think you'll be having to walk out anymore. I think, (laughs) I think Molly will understand and you'll have a good confidence that you can just send her. And it's fun. Once you get to that point, you know, you can just chill back at the blind, let the dog go do all that walking. So you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you were talking in a recent podcast about Hills and stuff, throwing a dog off. I mean, there's definitely, you, you learn when you start getting out in these different, if you're hunting in a lot of different locations and not always the same location, you'll start learning pretty quickly that, Hey, as well as she does with marking or, or what have you, you know, you get in an area where the cover is a little different and now the depth perception, she just hasn't learned that yet. And she's seeing the bird fall she's going to straight line, but she gets halfway to it. And now she's like, I don't know, should I keep going or not? And not only is it a confidence thing, you know, it's, it's something you have to slowly build out to. And that's something I've learned with her is, is keeping her confidence up and slowly building out to things. Um, cause I've got that bad problem of trying to challenge her too much, you know, too soon. <laughs> and I have, well, got to back off, you know, and yeah, and take a step back. That's good. Well, I can't wait to hear how things go this next coming season. What, um, so things are going well. What's, what's something you would say to someone that's kind of, that was in your shoes not too long ago that, you know, is thinking about doing it themselves, you know, what, uh, what's your piece of advice based on what you've learned so far? Well, you can do it. I mean, if I can do it, I think anyone can. Um, it's again, you guys have the program lined out with 52 plus specifically. That's so detailed that it's, it's almost idiot proof. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it, you, you really, you, you gotta, I mean, you're going to have hiccups. You're going to have things learning curves as, as a handler and as a trainer, you're going to have things that you, that you run into, but, but, if you stay true to the program, you got to work pretty hard to screw the dog up. I would say, um, it's, you know, I like the way you guys organize the the program and and not just the daily lessons and everything, but, you know, teaching this fundamental skill, then this fundamental, it all kind of builds on, I mean, build from here. That's, that's the whole, (laughs) the slogan, you know, it's it's, it's nice. I mean, early in the, early in the program, you know, you're thinking, (laughs) man, six months of obedience, you know, and then you're talking to the other guys that bought all of our litter mates and they're like, Oh, she's already got her first retrieve. And I'm like, Oh, my dog learns how to go to place, you know, and stuff like that. But it, it feels like it's going to take forever to get through that phase when you're in it. But then when you're in the retrieving, you look back like, man, it wasn't that long at all. Like we flew through that. And now I'm so grateful that we locked in that obedience the way we did, because it's made all the other training after that so yeah. much quicker and easier to get through. Yeah. Um, because the dog listens, you know, and the dog knows how to learn and you know how to teach the dog new, new skills. And, yeah. you know, just to, to little things like 
jumping up into the back of the truck, you know, like I can, I could set her Momarsh blind next to the tailgate and the Momarsh blind is taller than the tailgate and she'll jump into it all day long, but she wouldn't jump into the back of the truck. And I'm like, <laughs> you're getting too heavy for me to lift you into the back of this truck. You know, like I don't have her jump out of it on concrete or anything, but it's like, you can jump in this thing. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. So I get out the clicker one day <laughs> and I put some hot dogs up on the tailgate and I put her paws up there so she can see it. And I'm like, I clicked it as soon as she grabbed it. And then I'm like, tap the tailgate and say, Oh, you know, and things like that. And it didn't take me, you know, but a few minutes to, to teach her to jump up in the back of the truck. And now, you know, she'll try to jump into it without the tailgate open. I'm like, I don't think you can quite get that high, but yeah. <laughs> you know, she just, she knows what she's supposed to do. So it's, it's, learning how the dog learns and, and getting through things like that, you can take those skills and you can apply it across the dog's life to anything outside of cornerstone that you want to teach the dog. Um, it doesn't work as well on my kids, but it does work on the dog. <laughs> Works great on the dog. Not so much yeah. on the kids. Me up. <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that process. So you started, did you start with Mollet? Basically you started her soon. Yeah. So you started the yeah. foundation. So spending that time, how have you seen how, How's the litter mates compare? Have you ha- have you had much chance to like have them around each other? Or I have you, not. You just the, heard? the one time we did the hunt test, uh, one of her litter mates was there. Um, like I said, had been sent to a professional, and I think that was the majority of the training that was done. I don't okay. uh, the um, the guy the guy that bred his dog. He it was one of the two puppies that he kept, and he sent them right to the professional because he was yep, going yep. for do they have what it takes to be a field trial dog? You know, field yeah. trial champion, and, and wanting to do field trials. And, um, so he sent them right away to a professional and I think they did four months at the professional. It was two, he kept two of the females from the litter and then he went and watched them and not that they weren't good, but just, he's like, I don't think they're going to cut it for what I'm looking for. So he decided to sell them. And so he sold, sold them to other individuals that were looking for, you know, a started dog. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's who, that's who we met at the the first hunt test. Um, she, she performed well at the hunt test. I, I did watch her. She performed well. Um, I don't know if I'm a little biased or not, but I, I tend to think <laughs> that Molly outperformed her a little bit, yeah. but also I attribute that to our bond together because I've done all her training and I have the bond with her. I, I am the alpha in her mind and we have, we have a bond. She knows what's expected. She knows what I'm asking her to do and she does it. Uh, whereas they hadn't had the dog very long after Absolutely. buying her and hadn't had much time to work with her. And, uh, the actual owner of the dog was letting his, uh, his niece run the dog in the hunt test. And yeah. so all the, all that considered, I really can't say I can't, it's not an apples to apples comparison. So Definitely I can't not, say, yeah. um, you know, but I, I would say that perception is she performed. My dog performed a little bit better than a litter mate there, but then there was a lot of things going against the litter mate there as well. So, yeah. um, you know, but I, I, I can definitely see similarities in them though. You know, yeah. The way they behave. It's and always fun to see the litter mates get together and, you know, some of them don't look at all the same and then some of them look very similar and then some of them have the same tendencies and, and sure. some of them don't. But, um, I was talking to the, uh, after on training session, I'm talking to the the guy that bred her. Um, and I said, man, I'm all soaked on my left side cause we were doing water work today. And, you know, I, I trained her from the very beginning to recall and stuff to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when she comes out of the water, she likes to come any, anytime, actually, when she comes back, <laughs> with the duck, she likes to come and lean against lean my knee, you. like, like take the bird and like rub against my knee, especially when she's wet. She likes to use my leg as a towel and try to dry herself off. And when I told her, told him that he laughed, he said, her mother does that. He's like, good really? luck fixing that. He's like, I've tried her entire life to fix her, you know, from coming back and like rubbing up against me. He said, it's just a natural behavior. You'll never get rid of. And I was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> That's awesome. So, but we'll worry about that. Maybe when we're done with 52 plus. Yeah. yeah. Just keep trucking. Just keep building. after it's ingrained fully for her to rub against me. Yeah. Yeah. After it gets really difficult, it's probably, it's pretty ingrained by now by the amount of retrieve you've done, but you can yeah. definitely work with it. But, um, well, cool. Any final thoughts for, for anyone listening other than just, you Man, can just, do it. Yeah. Keep it up. I know, I know you can do it. Um, I would say the biggest thing I learned through 52 plus that I'd say if, if I was nervous about anything, it was, uh, you know, learning how to read a dog. You know, I've been around dogs and stuff, had dogs growing up. Um, but 
you know, even early on in some of the videos, you guys are like, oh, you know, you'll learn after working with your dog, how to read your dog. And I'm like, I don't know, man, if I'll, <laughs> I don't know how to read an animal. Like, and I, I sort of, I had this mis uh, um, misconception in my head of, uh, of what that meant, you know, yeah. like I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to see the dog's ear twitch and know what they're thinking. And that's yeah. not, that's not what you're talking about. You learn what works for your dog, what doesn't yeah. you learn when your dog does certain things, why they do it. And you can't help if you do your training and you train the dog and you, you just go through the program, you can't help, but learn how to read your dog yeah. and what works with your dog and what doesn't. And, you know, some of the hiccups we've had through things that we've worked through, it's been a direct relation of having worked with the dog and then figuring out, okay, this is why she's not getting this, or this is why she's struggling here. And then been able to, to devise a plan and go back and, and fix it. That's awesome. And, um, sometimes that, that does involve, you know, thinking for yourself a little outside of the, of the, the cornerstone program. It's not, not to depart from the program, but the program teaches you how to read your dog yep. and therefore how to develop something that fixes the problem yeah. you may be having, you know, well, that's what we wanted. Um, that was the goal. So clearly it's working. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying going out and buying live ducks was the only thing that could have fixed her, you know, not going after that, but you know, it was something that I had available to me and, uh, and it worked that's and, good. you know, reading the dog's behavior is what got me to think, Oh, I don't think she understands this. And, um, you know, there's been other things to, you know, lining memories and stuff like that. She did great with, and then all of a sudden one day she just popped. Yep. And I think we talked a little bit about that. That's, that's what spurred some of our first conversations. And it was like, why is she all of a sudden doing this? Well, you know, come to find out the fall area was in a shadow. And even though it was a bright, clear, sunny day, and I can see that white bumper just fine from 150 yards, she couldn't see it. And if she couldn't see it, she didn't want to do anything wrong and get mm -hmm. corrected. So she'd stop halfway. Like, what do you want me to do now? And, you know, just learning little things like that and reading the dog's behavior, you know, we were able to figure out, okay, let's go out in a sunny area. Let's set up a white bucket to get her, to, you know, keep drawing and, you know, pulling in that area until she sees the bumper and stuff. And then that built her confidence through the roof. And now she'll just keep on going on a straight line that I send her to <laughs> and until she runs around the curvature of the earth, you know, yeah, that's <laughs> just, awesome. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, no, stop, come back. It's over here. <laughs> that's awesome. So well, awesome. Well, Austin, it's been great having you on. Uh, I hope everyone got a lot out of it. I'm sure there there's lots of good things, uh, lots of good stories here too. So, uh, yeah, as always build yeah. from here and, uh, look forward to the next one. Yeah. Let's start episode two at the barbecue conversation now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great being on. Thanks Josh for yep. having me. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Build From Here podcast. To learn more about retriever training or our podcast, visit cornerstone